Warning, this episode contains some strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Tales from the Trunk, reading the stories that didn't make it. I'm Hilary B. Bisniaks. Listeners, I'm so excited to welcome back the author of Fox Hunt and the forthcoming Wolf Pack, Rem Wigmore. Well, Rem, welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks for having me again. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we joked about uh, the first time you were on the show, we joked about, oh yeah, we're definitely going to have you have you back on, and sure enough, here you are. Like a bad penny. <laughs> Do they... Uh, my recollection was you don't even have those anymore in New Zealand. Oh no, we do not have pennies. I have never lived in a time when we've had pennies. What we do have is a lot of American media. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, and we unfortunately... <laughs> for whatever reason, still do have pennies. Um, hold on. I'll, I'll make that an authentic New Zealand saying. I'll just sort of, like, translate it into, like, a bad ten-cent piece. <laughs> like a bad ten-cent coin. There we go. Perfect. Nailed it. <laughs> that's what that's the, something people say all the time here. Absolutely we, do. Uh, work in our legal gardens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they go off to the shops and have a meat pie. That we do do that, yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, that is that is authentic New Zealand experience right there. Oh yeah, you go down to the dairy, you get you get a butter chicken pie, you get a can of coke, you just sit about. Yeah. You get a little candy mix. You sat. Mix. I have now exhausted everything I know about New Zealand from the fourteen we days I spent there. <laughs> oh, and if Lake Taupo goes, the whole the whole world is done. Yes. As has happened once before. <laughs> Hopefully not in our time, but time is fake, <laughs> so who even knows? Who knows? Uh, so you're going to be reading from Considine's Council. Is there anything we need to know before we get into it? Uh, maybe a couple of things. So it's um, it's a bit of an in medias res book. It's like, I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it. it, it it's like, it's, it's very non-linear. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, but otherwise, it's just like this fantasy book, sword and sorcery, uh, in this medieval fantasy Ireland setting, uh, where the equivalent of the Fey folk are like Paleolithic oh, people fantastic. who got frozen in time in the dream wilds. That doesn't come up that much in this excerpt. <laughs> I just think it's kind of neat. And yeah, it's uh, this scene will be about uh, our titular character tracking down his friend the king, who just uh, abdicated upon his heir being discovered. Fantastic. I guess I should read it. Yeah, probably. (laughs) That was an obvious cue right there, and it just... (laughs) Listen, I've had a day, this is... This is the first recording that will be happening on July the 11th for my guests. It is not July the 11th where I am sitting... Uh, just wrapping my brain around that is enough. Welcome to the Endless July the 11th, <laughs> and I'll be beginning it with this reading from Considine's Council. 
fantastic. Just trying to get my, my Word document going good and still have you up in a little window so I can mine your expression for reactions to my story. Oh well, it's fine. <clears throat> Considine rode frantically, fearing he was already too late. Of course he took all the breaks his horse needed, making sure she was watered and not pushed too hard, but he took no such caution with himself. <laughs> he was nine days out from the castle now, and for the last two there had been only wilderness. He'd seen few living souls, though all nodded to him in deference, so he hadn't succeeded in his goal of dressing plainly. <laughs> Please be well, Aeon, he murmured. He was nearly sure this place was right, the woods receding into a lazy sea of long grass that rose into the occasional rounded hill. Considine rode faster now he could see further, his loyal mare stretching her legs out with a will. Ahead of him a golden head rose from the grass, turning to him. Considine's heart leapt, and he bent forward in his saddle as he rode. Aeon, there was no mistaking those broad shoulders and the fair hair lying down his back. Considine slowed his horse as he reached him, heart beating giddily fast. Aeon scowled at him and waved his bow. <laughs> Damn fool, get down, he called, low and vicious. The joy in Considine's chest clenched into nothing. Obedience was habit by now, and Considine dismounted smoothly, leading his horse to his king, his former king. Aeon looked well, happier than had seemed for years, his fair skin ruddy from sun. Strange to see him in his hunting clothes, even though Considine knew logically that he had worn this life far longer. I said get down, Con, Aeon hissed, and Considine reassessed. The look in those blue-grey eyes wasn't anger, it was fear. Considine stooped low, crabbing over to where Aeon stood. Are you well? he whispered. Aeon frowned, but some of the tension bled from his shoulders now Considine did as he had bid. I was fine until you showed up, he said. <laughs> Constantine mustn't have been able to hide his hurt because Aeon sighed, gesturing with his bow. Not like that. I'm in the middle of hunting. Do you know how dangerous a wounded hellbore is? Constantine stepped behind Aeon promptly. <laughs> Aeon grinned at that, and it was mocking, but there was fondness too. At least you have some sense, Aeon said, and laughed under his breath. He shifted his stance to better cover Constantine and knocked his bow. The boar's out there, bleeding. Sooner or later it'll make a final rush try to gore me. I'd like to wing it again first, but if you hear it rushing up, give a shout and I'll switch to sword. <laughs> he wore a normal sword at his belt, plain steel and worn leather, not wake from slumber, the sword of kingship. He'd left that at Kern Karoo when he left. A rustle behind them. Considine spun, throat tight with fear. Sire, he managed. Aeon stepped past him and fired into the grass. There was an outraged squeal. Considine stumbled back, but Aeon flung out a hand to halt him. Be still, he said, as he set the bow down and drew the sword sharp and gleaming. He tossed a grin at Considine. And how many times do I have to tell you to call me my name? <laughs> Something rushed from the long grass, dappled brown and screaming. Aeon turned to meet it with his sword raised. They slammed together. Considine covered his eyes reflexively. He forced himself to uncover them, trying to make out detail in the blur of movement. Slavering mouth and tusk, gleaming steel and strong arms tensed. The hellboar was massive, three times the size of a wild boar. 
as well as tusks that had pebbles of bone over its throat like armour, and a hump of muscle on its back behind its huge head. Beast and king rolled around in the dirt, the boar's screams mixing with Aeon's low grunts. There was a meaty thunk and Considine flinched, with no way to tell if the noise was from sword or tusk. <laughs> After what felt like forever, the beast's awful scream cut off into a whimper. Considine let out a shaky sigh and mopped his brow. The boar lay dead or dying, wild eye rolled back, and Aeon stood triumphantly over it. There was a contentment to him. He stood tall and proud, but there, a cut across his arm, it had wounded him. Considine hurried over, reaching out a hand, then dropping it. I'll see to that, he said firmly, prepared for argument. Aeon looked surprised, but said, thank you. He looked over at Considine's mare. You brought supplies on Bannock, then? Of course. He clicked his tongue, but the mare flicked her ears back, unwilling <laughs> to approach the bloodshed. Aeon strode over and gave her a fond pat on the nose. Considine's wave of affection nearly knocked him off his feet, just from Aeon remembering his horse's name. Gods, but he was lost. Sometimes the wanting caught him off guard, but by and large he ignored it. He folded his yearning away like festival clothes, only to be looked at on special occasions. Aeon patted Bannock's neck, then jerked a thumb over his shoulder to the carcass. She can out bring that back. Considine winced at the big, bloodied boar, but resigned himself. <laughs> Certainly, he said, and started digging for bandages. He'd seen no house around for miles, but Aeon was always full of surprises. That old hut you told me about? Aeon smiled with that same contented pride, then sighed as Considine strode over to him, bandages in hand. He stood still, at least, as Considine wrapped the wound in clean cloth to stem the bleeding for now. Aeon rolled his shoulders, nodded, and lifted the boar. Considine squeaked. Hold on, I need to arrange our saddlebags. <laughs> they lashed the beast to Bannock's saddle, and Aeon took her rope and led her through the grass. Considine rested a hesitant hand on the dead boar's flank to prevent it from slipping its bonds and help support the weight. Bannock snorted at him, but didn't roll her eyes back or shiver her skin in fear. She was a good horse. <laughs> Aeon stopped and gestured. Even standing right in front of it, Considine had to look twice before he saw the house. Roofed with grass, the hut nearly vanished into the landscape, lying low like a hill. Parts of the walls looked like recent additions, shoring up the roof. Aeon sliced the ropes, so the dead boar slipped off Bannock's back and thunked to the ground. She paced back, snorting. Considine patted her nose in apology, but he needed to see to his king before he could clean his horse, unfortunately. Hmm. The hut was bigger inside than he'd pictured, closer to a cottage, though still humble. A fireplace, two solid chairs, a door that led to another room. Considine set his bags down and started boiling water. Aeon sighed, but sat and rolled his sleeve up. Let me wash my hands and then I'll clean the wound, Considine said, keeping his mind on the task and not the unpleasant sight of Aeon's blood. No real need to worry. The gash was deep but clean and it wouldn't be the first scar on that thick forearm. Aeon scowled and shifted in his seat occasionally, but made no complaint as Considine tugged the shreds of his sleeve free from the cut and rinsed it clean. There was a still moment once he'd bandaged the wound and washed his hands, as Aeon rolled his shoulders again to test his range of motion. No new blood stained the bandage. Considine drew in a breath to speak. Right, Aeon said abruptly. Help me gut it. 
No time for conversations yet, it seemed. Constantine brushed down Bannock and then they gutted the pig together. Nothing in the grisly task gave him pause until the other man sawed off the beast's long tusks. Constantine looked at him. Aeon glanced aside, oddly self-conscious. They're useful in magic, he said. Ain't a trophy. Hmm. Gods, it must have been years since it heard Aeon say ain't. And then there was meat to preserve and barrels of salt Aeon hauled out from a cellar that looked like he'd dug it himself. Aeon saw to the hide, mentioning offhand what food he had inside. Turnips, beans, onions. Considine took a few cuts of the meat and set a stew going. Once all the work was done, they ate by the fire in a silence that managed to be comfortable, despite how Considine bit his tongue. Hmm. He put their dishes to soak and settled back in his chair. This was comfortable, a warm contentment spreading through his body from a day of workout dolls he could now rest from. At times like these, he understood Aeon better. He looked at him across the fire. Aeon met his glance, then sat up slowly. No peace for me, then, he said. Considine exhaled. He clenched one fist where Aeon couldn't see, digging his nails into his palm. Mm -hmm. Only hear me out, and then if you will not listen, you can be free of me. Aeon clicked his tongue against his teeth. It's not your presence I mind, Con, it's whatever you bring with you. He waved a disgruntled hand as Considine tried not to show his relief. <laughs> out with it, then. Considine drew himself up. The problem is Blackbird. Aeon frowned darkly, and he knew he'd chosen the wrong tack. When I was ruling Monarch, you always treated me with the utmost respect, he said. Considine winced at the truth of it, even as he protested. They are different, sire. And you're calling me my old title, Aeon said, shaking his head, which I know is old habit, but could look like treason. <laughs> he waved his hand. Call them the... He stopped. Blackbird was not king, not queen. The ruler? We've been calling them the monarch, Considine said, and Aeon nodded in thanks. Gods, yes, that's better. He knuckled at the bridge of his nose. Good to have words for it. What about <laughs> the monarch drags you all the way out here? He frowned. Have they eaten anyone? <laughs> no, Considine said, appalled. Was that an option? No, Aeon, <laughs> it's nothing so drastic. It's smaller things, hard to explain. Aeon frowned, and he could tell he was what, losing what little of his attention he held. They rule, yes, but poorly. They don't act as they should. Aegon's lips thinned. You speak too broadly. What's the real problem? Considine nodded, chastened. It's not anything wrong they have done, he said. Mostly. His <laughs> greatest suspicion would have to wait, because Aeon wouldn't want to hear it. With a cooler head, he suspected words he'd taken as a threat were merely a jibe, but that was part and parcel of the problem. It's how they act. Irreverent, careless, with little respect for their ancient position and the responsibilities it brings. <laughs> Aeon nodded slowly, and for a moment Considine thought he had him. That's all shit I did when I started too, Aeon said, and shook his head in dismissal. Aeon leaned closer, flaring his nose. Aye, he said sharply, and you stopped once you saw the harm it did. The monarch doesn't listen. Not to me and not to anyone as far as I can tell. He didn't like how aggressive his posture felt, and eased back in the seat. He lay his hands flat on his legs and quietened his voice. I was hoping you could get through to them. Your guards are still loyal, and I'll come with you. Whatever happens, you'll be in no danger. Aeon looked at him silently across the fire. Please, Considine said, 
and bit back anything else. Best to leave it at that, however much he longed to tell Aeon how tiresome and dragging each day had been in the six months since he abdicated. Aeon grinned broadly, like he was nothing more than a simple warrior. <laughs> Hard to do that from out here, eh? he said. How loud do you want me to yell? He stood up with an air of finality before Considine could do more than glare at him. Getting late, you take the bed. Considine opened his mouth, but Aeon was tossing hides and furs onto the floor near the fireplace before he could stammer his protests. <laughs> Still, he tried. Sire, uh, Aeon, I couldn't possibly. I wouldn't dream of... Con, Aeon interrupted, frowning at him with the firelight glinting off the grey in his eyes. There's few soft things in this life. He thunked his knuckles against the plain, solid floor. Why refuse kindness when you're offered it? Hmm... He sounded protective, and that was utterly disarming. We haven't spoken of what occurred the day you left the castle, Considine bloated, then winced. Aeon stood up slowly. Sometimes Considine forgot what a bulk of a man he was. He didn't meet Considine's eyes. Better not to, isn't it? Aeon said. Considine swallowed. He should be used to this pain by now. I see, he said. Yes. He clasped his hands together. What a fool he'd been to ride so rushed out here, and a worse fool for asking. Hmm. Now Aeon would ignore his true errand and think foolish sentiment was why he'd come. He stood decisively. Bannock can carry me well enough at night, at least to the nearest town, he said. Aeon frowned in what looked like honest confusion. What? Considine had left his boots by the door. He pulled them on. By the time he'd tied the laces, he had mastered himself enough to look Aeon in the eye again. I'll take my leave now, he said. Shame and wounded pride burned through his throat, and he closed his mouth tight. Hmm. It's the middle of the night, Aeon exclaimed, and crossed over to him, waving a broad arm. Stay the night, at least. Hmm. I'll leave now, Considine said again. Aeon looked like he wanted to grab him by the collar and shake. It's dark, he said through his teeth, and if you get yourself killed, I'm not coming to save you. Considine drew himself up to his full height. I do not need your protection, he hissed. If you imagine me some helpless fool... Con, I beg you, please stay, Aeon said. He looked surprised to hear himself say it. Constantine opened his mouth and closed it, and could find no words through his own shock at hearing that much open emotion. <laughs> After a time, he cleared his throat and stooped to unlace his boots. They washed the dishes together in strained silence. Afterwards, Aeon lit him a lamp. Take the bed, he said again. He flung himself flat on the nest of furs and started peeling off his weapons. Considine took the lamp hastily and scurried to Aeon's sleeping chamber. The room was small, but the bed was big and sturdy, smelling of freshly sawn wood. Considine curled up among the furs and fell asleep in Aeon's bed with Aeon's scent surrounding him. The next morning he dressed in clothes he'd already worn a few days ago, which he would never dream of at court, and <laughs> ventured out. Aeon turned from the porridge pot to give him a broad grin. Sleep well, he said. Considine fought a blush. Is there a river nearby or stream, he said. Aeon dropped the teasing. Good-sized stream, half a mile off. Considine nodded. Good, it smells like you need a wash. <laughs> Aeon laughed. <laughs> Aeon laughed a good laugh from deep in his belly, and Considine caught himself grinning back, bright and warm, as the sunlight streamed in. Only for a moment, though, before he remembered... He dropped his gaze. Aeon stirred the porridge and tasted it and looked at him. How long did you plan to be here? Considine crossed his arms over his chest. 
In the light of day, he knew his mission was more important than his embarrassment, hmm. as long as it takes for you to see sense. Aeon frowned, looking truly concerned. Constantine took a step back, bracing himself for argument, and Aeon caught his shoulder. Constantine, I would never have left Blackbird ruling if I hadn't known you were there to guide them. Hmm. His faith shone from his eyes and squeezed at Constantine's chest. He drew in a ragged breath. I understand nothing of that changeling, and they barely listen to me, he said. But you, sire... Aeon stepped back, eyes going blank. Don't call me that. He banked the fire and hauled up a bag. I'm going to catch us some fish. You can come or you can leave. It's nothing to me. Constantine winced to him, say it, even if Aeon's voice lacked conviction. Ten minutes' walk brought them to what Constantine would have more called a river than a stream. The water was clear and deep, running over sand and pebbles. Aeon strode to where a pole was lodged in the bank and strung it with line. Constantine came to stand near him. There wasn't a second pole, and he had no idea how to fish anyway. Aeon frowned up at the sky, then rolled his sleeves up to his shoulders. The new scar was pale against the hard muscle of his forearm. Hmm. Constantine glanced aside. Aeon tossed the line. After a while, Aeon said, If you haven't bathed in a fresh stream before, I'd recommend it, like a peace offering. And he seized it. Better than my mother's old tub, Considine ventured. Ah, <laughs> uh, had he the courage to disrobe in front of his former king? <laughs> Such things are not for me, I think. Were you going to bathe? Wouldn't you rather I wash downstream? Aeon said casually. That made him laugh, and Aeon grinned with the same self-satisfied contentment he wore when hunting, riding, succeeding at something. Constantine had found it obnoxious when he first met him, when he assumed this barbarian who had chance drawn the Sword of Kings would make a poor replacement to the old regent. <laughs> he knew better now, and was glad to see him smile. He found something a little more complicated, too, and the fact that making Constantine laugh gave Aeon the same look as defeating a foe in battle or slaying a troublesome beast, <laughs> achieving something important. He looked away from him and picked his way down to the water, well clear of Aeon's fishing line. He could at least wash his face and hands. Hmm. I can close my eyes, Aeon called down at him lazily. <laughs> ah, Considine said. Aeon had never been cruel before, but he'd never really known him when he was a warrior. Maybe he'd never known him. Considine knelt to dip his hands in the water, and a pale, gleaming creature burst from beneath him, seizing him with cold, webbed hands, dragging him down and under. He didn't hear Aeon's shout of concern as the water closed over his head. <laughs> you can see why I wanted to end it there. Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I, I'm, like... I'm right now in this place where I'm at two ends of, like, the heroic media sort of spectrum. Uh, mm. Because on the one hand, I'm doing my first reread of The Lord of the Rings since... 2001 Oh wow yeah Yeah it, it's it's been a it's been a little bit uh I should reread it And you know I I think I read them all before the first film came out and then uh I I've reread the Hobbit since then but not Lord of the Rings and I just you know started itching to reread it the other day and was like oh well, I, you know I've got my like beat up old 
omnibus copy on the shelf. I'll just pull that down and, uh, you know, see see what all that's about. And then, and then on the other hand, and um, I just having finished Song Fiel and Partisan, I am listening to uh, Friends at the Table, Seasons of Hyron. <laughs> uh, I love Seasons of Hyron. I, I am not very far in yet. We just like we just got past the um, the holiday special, uh, like flash forward in time, and and uh, I think I just left off with uh, boat party having a, a confrontation in the hotel. <laughs> boat uh, party. Boat party. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it very like two very good things that are just like miles apart sorry kilometers apart (laughs) i still say miles mostly in fantasy because if i say kilometers people will get very broken out it's it's the tiffany problem hector's it is the tiffany problem i love both those media properties and like yeah they're very much like not opposite ends of the scale, exactly, but, like, seasons of Heron, um, I've only listened to the first season of Heron, but it's my absolute content, and I need to finish listening to Twilight Mirage so I can go back and listen to <laughs> the other seasons of Heron and Marielda, because, obviously, fantasy is my content, right? Like, I love yeah. sci-fi, but, like, fantasy is just, like, mm. Probably shouldn't punch my mic when I slap my chest like that for emphasis. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I've just been clipping gonna... over here all day, so, like, it'll be fine. <laughs> It's fine. Don't even worry about it. But like, we're professional podcasters here. Trust us. We are professional. We trust us. We know what we're doing. You're in safe hands and listening to safe voices here at Tales from the Trunk. Absolutely. <laughs> but like, with the like the world building episode of um the first seasons of Heron, where they go like into like how they're engaging with those tropes and why and what they're doing and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just oh, it's really fun. I love both, like, that kind of stuff, and then also, like, the, the classic stuff, and mm, I love yeah. all of it. I love sword and sorcery nonsense. It's, I just love it. I just love it so much. Fantasy is just so good. It's just, it's just so, so good. good. There, there's so much good stuff there. Yeah. It's like, I love, I love all of the extremely varied and wonderful types of fantasy settings we're getting to see now, but I also shamelessly love, you know, my D&D nonsense, like, mm-hmm. my classic... I guess. Like, I don't want all fantasy to be the the kind of tired medieval European fantasy, but, like, I like some of it to be because I like to eat it and devour it and consume it, and it sustains me. Yeah, it's gummy bears. It's, it's a familiar flavor. You can just, like, finish a whole bag without paying attention. Exactly. Sometimes you just want to go back to what you grew up on. Yeah. Um, which, you know, is definitely what was happening for me with Lord of the Rings. I was just like, oh yeah, it's been 20 years since I've, it's been more than 20 years since I've read that. That's, that seems illegal. Yeah. Yeah. You have to read it. You actually have to read it once every 10 years or they revoke your uh, speculative fiction fan license. Oh no. So I'm going to have to report you to the speculative fiction fan licensing committee. I hope that the number of times my dad has read Lord of the Rings can somehow make it up. Oh, yeah, no, it's judged by family unit. You're okay, fine, fine. okay, good, 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 good. Yeah, he's, I mean, he, like, he's got published essays and, you know, all, all that good stuff, so. Oh, nice, proper uh, talking nerd. If, if, yeah, his, his pickup line was, <laughs> uh, back in the day, was, have you read Lord of the Rings? 
which is incredible. <laughs> and then I, one I, time I, he met a woman who he fancied, and she beat him to it. Aww! That's love. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. But, you know, I mean, he, like, was in his late teens when when the first book came out so like you know he's oh, wow. he's really uh, got a right to it yeah absolutely first generation yeah but we we're the first <laughs> generation who gets to read Rem Wigmore oh I guess I guess so <laughs> um so instead of just like shooting the shit about nothing for the next <laughs> which I mean I would be happy to just shoot the shit about nothing for <laughs> the entirety of the show heavens knows I've done it before uh, <laughs> see for example uh, the episode that will have in in this present timeline comes out in four days from you well I guess five days from you because it will be the the 16th when it but time is fake whatever the, the episode that comes out the friday of the week that we're recording this with uh mary baker is just like absolute goblin nonsense for an hour <laughs> and, and change and you know Good. all that stuff um but i want to uh i want to talk a little bit more about considine's council and uh the fact that you set up an only one bed and then there was a second bed and it was just the floor. <laughs> How dare you? solve the equation. <laughs> um, can you tell a little bit of the story behind uh, sort of where this book came from and, and how it ended up just getting hucked in the, into the trunk? Absolute rip, yes. I, and I say book, but like, it's a novella, but like, that's a book. Yeah, that's uh, a book. There's a... There's a there's a lot. Um, I have my careful little notes here. Like, uh, the things that, like, outright inspired it were, um, I watched the first season of The Witcher, and, like, a lot of people bounced mm -hmm. off the non-linear storytelling in that, but I thought it was delicious, and I loved it, and I kind of wanted to do something like that. So then I did something like that, and a lot of people bounced off of it to not like it. Isn't that just so, the I way, mean, though? I guess Mission Success, um, and it's also, like, inspired by... Um, there was a, there was a, an image actually of like, uh, like a reconstruction of mm -hmm. like a Paleolithic era, like very early European, Ooh. um, which was like, just, a re just looked like a really interesting character to me. Just like, um, because in those very early days, uh, this person had like, like brown skin and hair and like blue eyes. And I was mm -hmm. like, that's, I I'm going to make those into fey folk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just have to, those are fey folk now. And, uh. Also, a, a lot of uh, digging into, not literally digging into, <laughs> metaphorically digging into uh, Newgrange, which is the beautiful passage tomb in, in Ireland. And mm. I, I love passage tombs. And I love that whole, like, era of making big stone stuff that people got, like, confused about. Like, what could it possibly mean? And mostly it means, like, calendars and astronomy. And it's neat. I think it's neat. Mm -hmm. Uh... And the other thing that kind of, like, went into it is I wrote this in, I think, early 2020. And it's when I was, like, 
kind of setting out on a study of novellas, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I just read or was reading the Hugo voter packet that year, because that was like the one year I let myself go to the Hugos as a treat, right? No, not the Hugos. Worldcon. Yes, I was reading the Hugo voter packet, because yep. I let myself go to Worldcon as a treat, because it was going to be in New Zealand, and then I guess technically it was. <laughs> Nothing <sighs> notable happened in 2020. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I read a bunch of these novellas, and it was like, I'd read a few before, and I liked them a lot, um, but I just got obsessed with the art form of it, right? Mm-hmm. I just got obsessed with that medium. And I am just suddenly realizing I should... I don't need to plug in my laptop. It's fine. That's not related <laughs> to novellas. <laughs> so I made a bunch of those and I wanted to write them. And also, um, this was actually meant to be a novelette. It was a novelette. It was 13,000 something words. And then I sent it to my first proofreader. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I mean, I love it. But like, longer though. Make it longer. <laughs> and uh, my other proofreader was like, not my thing you know i was like that's fine and it is fine and it happens uh and uh so i made it longer and now that's in its current form i just like put more scenes in it right Mm -hmm. like that scene that i read was uh it's the fourth scene in the current version it was i think the second or third scene in my novelette draft version of it and it will probably be the first scene if i follow my next beta reader's advice on the pacing right like if i try to make Mm. it just linear who knows? Anyway, then Who another knows? beta reader read it and was like, absolutely, but needs to be longer. And I was like, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> I don't feel like it because I feel like all the interesting stuff is in there already. And I don't want mm-hmm. to just write transitional scenes because I don't care. And yeah. also because that wasn't the shape of it in my head, right? But but that's another of the things I could do. So it, it just, you know, it was meant to be an exercise in trying to write a novelette, which did not work. Uh, <laughs> although later I did manage to kind of nail down how to write those. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then it became a no- novella, but like then, you know, depending on feedback, I could make it a novel, but I don't want to make it a novel. So mm-hmm. that's the history of, of that. Did you want me to talk about the the, the trunking of it? I, I, I would. I just want to make a note here that... Uh... It could be worse in terms of you should make it longer. The uh, the book that I haven't finished yet, that I won uh, NaNoWriMo 2021 with, uh, started out as... Uh, oh gosh, this would have been like late January, early February of 2020, uh, doing a flash fiction competition uh, codex <laughs> style, but not in codex, uh, with a bunch of my friends from Slack. And uh, and I, I wrote this beautiful, evocative little flash piece that I like adored and everybody who read it adored. And everybody who read it was like, Hillary, this is a novel. Yeah. <laughs> but you what you wrote was part of a novel and I'm like Yeah. Harumph. <laughs> Absolute mood. Yes. I I took a long time to like figure out how to write short fiction that wasn't just a piece of a novel because mm-hmm. I started off in novels and like sometimes I still do that. I trip over when a novel comes out. I can't help myself. It, it just mood. <laughs> what I'm like one, I need to finish that novel. Two, like, when World Fantasy Award winner C.L. Polk says, what you have here is a novel, you write the novel, like... Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So, you wrote this, 
you made it yeah. longer, and then just toss it over your shoulder into the trunk. I just, did. I just did. bin it. Just like that. And with no intervening process. No, no. Um, I, I threw it at um, one of Neon Hemlock's submission windows because obviously I love them and Dream Press and maybe one day. Mm-hmm. Not a fit for them, which is not especially surprising. But then I wasn't sure what else to do it mm-hmm. to do with it, right? Like, so I, I actually only ended up racking up three rejections on this, which is a tiny amount of rejections, right? Like... I have some short stories out in the uh, in the mill right now, like that I've racked up like eleven, and I'm not like done with them yet. Although mm-hmm. I should like, you know, I'm down to the next tier of markets to try them on, so I need to like kind of research more of those. But I haven't had time to do much short story stuff. Yeah, who, been editing who, who has time to do short story stuff? Nobody, nobody. People are like, it's shorter, and I'm like, no, it, it's not. It's not. It takes longer to write a short story than a novel. Um, I'm uh. I'm filling space while I find where I wrote down my notes about why I trunked it. <laughs> where is it? Yeah, I think. Oh I've... well, it doesn't matter. Um, I remember. I I wrote it and stuff, and then like, cause in my head it was kind of still like a novelette. So like, the few like fantasy and sci-fi like uh magazines and stuff that mm-hmm. do like up to that length of stuff is where i threw it at and they were like mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> which is fine but then i was just like what do i do with this now and like i could have submitted it to a few more places like there's still a technically a couple of places that i could try it at or like it's a decent length i could like self-pub it or like i could self-pub it under like a, a new pen name since it's kind of a romance it's i mean it is a romance but it's got other stuff in it i could make mm-hmm. it more of a romance and it would probably do better but like i just don't have enough confidence in the story i guess and it's just mm-hmm. it just doesn't feel like it's working it just doesn't quite i mean that's a mood as well out. That's that's such a mood. Like, yeah. Sometimes you just realize, like, yeah. okay, this is I like it, and it's just not really doing the thing quite. Yeah, it kind of just feels like an experiment that didn't completely work out, you know, like or like that taught me a lot, but like didn't result in a thing of itself. Like, mm-hmm. because I haven't, I still haven't decided what doesn't work about it. Like, is it too long? Is it too short? Does it need to be longer? Does it need to be shorter? Does the non-linear stuff not work at all, or do I just need to smooth it out? It, mm-hmm. It's just a, it's a clumsy child. It, it isn't quite anything. So it's sitting in the trunk for now, unless until I have some length of time in which to edit it, or like some idea of how I'd want to do so, which is the main thing that's lacking at the moment. Yeah, or the like. It was... Sometimes it's just a matter of like putting it in front of somebody who has just the right insight to either like. I, I've had the situation where, like, I put it in front of somebody, they say something super insightful about it, and I do not use any of that, but it still fixes it for yeah, me in my head. Yeah, it's something. Absolutely, yeah. I could I could throw it a few more people, probably, but it's... Oh, I just don't have the heart, I guess. <laughs> I'm a very sensitive creature, so, like, if a story doesn't work, I'm like... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I know logically this isn't a statement on, like, me or my skill or my worth as a person, but also have you considered that it is a little? Yeah. So it's it's sitting for a bit. But maybe I'll throw it at other people someday. But, like, I still like a lot about it, so I was happy to have a chance to mm-hmm. and read it like, out of it. Every time you try, like, especially, you know, you were saying, like, oh, I'm, I'm doing, like, a novelette study here. Like, yeah. unlocking those, like... Unlocking any length form 
is hard, but like those middle ones are real hard. Yeah, they're really tricky, right? Like the uh the the non-linear stuff like works so so well and stuff like um I think Kayashante Wilson's uh novellas are just like mm-hmm. there's one of them that does that so so good. I think they both do that so so good, the ones that I've read, but like I I am not Kayashante Wilson. Yeah. Um, I just... But it's a fun form. I love it. Yeah. I just, like, thinking about, like, playing around with time and stuff just made me remember, uh, oh, I want to say it was, uh, Charlie, uh, C.C. Finlay, uh, had a story years ago now. I don't remember, like... If it was, it might have been like after his second guest gig at FNSF, but before he took over at FNSF, uh, but had this story called Time Bomb Time that was, uh, and, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, it'll be linked in the show notes in, you know, two months time, but, uh. Uh, or a month's time, whatever. Time is fake. Who knows? Time but he mm-hmm. he pulled off this trick of like halfway through the story, the words just go in reverse order. Oh wow! Yeah, and it's Full you know it's like a thousand ish, fifteen hundred word story, something like that. So like, I think easier in some ways but like it... oh, I, don't I don't know that's that's taking a villanelle and making it yeah real big that's it's it's that's, that's a lot of words to do something like that a lot it but like you know it's that sort of thing where like you don't you don't get to do that in the big stuff or like if you do you really have to work at it yeah, yeah. But like, you know, yeah, I, I love, I love novellas and novelettes and, and like, you know, I, uh, I really appreciate that there are markets who actually care about them now. Like, yes. for instance, Neon Hemlock. Yes, our friends at Neon Hemlock. Uh, and. Go buy all their books. Yes, go buy all their books, please. Please go buy all their books, uh. Go buy this year's. What did Premi just win a Nebula? Premi Muhammad just won a Nebula for her uh, novella. And what can we offer you tonight? Go buy that. It's go a buy that. Boss cover with a fish on it. Go. I was about to like go hold one my copy up for the camera. That's useless. <laughs> this is an audio medium. Yeah, I. I think my copy is in the other room, where I would also hold it up to the camera. Go, go buy it. Go listen to her book tour about that book from last Ooh, well, yeah. August, I think. It fantastic, I incredible I book. I think I did. I think I I think I did. Because <laughs> I remember hearing it being read out. Go listen to it again. Be, anyway. Rack rack up more again. numbers for that episode. It's all good. <laughs> um but and and just, you know, of course Tor.com like really throwing the the weight of Macmillan Publishing Group behind uh, behind putting out novellas as like a yeah. serious 
serious business thing. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just great. It's just great. They started and this big wave. You don't Absolutely. get stuff like, like, I am sure there are publishers right now who are putting out like pulp western novels, probably. <sighs> I wish but like, they would. I wish they would. I, I have a pulp western novel. It would be great if they would, but like you know. Tor put out three Sarah Gailey novellas, like yeah. River of Teeth and, and Taste of Marrow, and then Upright Women Wanted, which are, like, yeah. just ah, in, impeccable. And, like, you, you don't get that sort of daring, I, I'll say, outside kind of, of the, the novella space a lot. That kind of, like, genre exploration, I guess, that kind of... Being open to trying something new. Yeah, uh, River of Teeth is one of the things I, like, studied as part of my novella study, mm-hmm. along with, like, the Tense Writ novellas and um, Emily Tesh's duology and all that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love novellas. And, I just love them so and much. Murderbot. They... Oh, oh, Murderbot, yes. Murderbot came out. I mean, Murderbot was out then, but I didn't start reading Murderbot until after my... Mm-hmm. The beginning of my uh, <laughs> very serious novella study, which yeah. involved reading novellas and going, huh, <laughs> I... What else was I going to say about novellas or novelettes or stories or... I don't remember. The the thing that keeps on coming up to me is like, you know, uh, uh... Oh no. Oh no, I've forgotten my high school English teacher's name. Teacher Wendy. Teacher Wendy, if you're, oh, yes. if you're somehow out there listening to this, like, feel vindicated in the fact that I did actually pick something up about, like, picking apart and analyzing literature from your classes, even though I never turned a single paper in on time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please know yeah. that you were you were teaching me really important skills that I didn't realize were really important until like 15 years later. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to my English teachers. Love y'all. Uh, yeah, I, I, I write very intuitively. So like making like a conscious study of something and like actually like learning about all the pieces of story structure that like, I often employ instinctively but like don't think about on a conscious level is like very useful and quite quite necessary for like those forms that I kind of that don't come as easy as breathing right because mm-hmm. I haven't been like submerged in them my whole life the way I have with like novels and like to a lesser extent short stories so like you kind of have to for those ones especially because things like novellas there's still a lot of different things you can do with them I was having this great chat with you know a, a, a fair amount of, of writer friends the other day about like there's like a lot of different approaches you can take to a novella, but like it, it whether you come at it as like mainly a short fiction writer mm-hmm. writing a long short story, or whether you come at it as like mainly a novelist writing a short novel, hugely affects what kind of story you write, and and you can mm-hmm. do both of those things and they both work. It's interesting. I think they're interesting. I think they're neat. It's and so cool. I remembered what I was going to say, which is that my brain has not been able to read well for like at least the last two or three years, a bit longer than that, really. Like my brain just. My eyes skip over the paragraphs. Mm-hmm. I really read, read things a lot. I struggle with focusing. Um, I've actually found a bit of limited success by just like holding the book up and like <laughs> covering everything except a couple of paragraphs, so that if my eyes skip ahead, at least I don't mm-hmm. go like two pages ahead, you know, which is helpful. But like this obviously interferes with reading time and means I don't get through as many books as I would, you know, love to and also have to because it is my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not, like, a paying job much, but, like, a very, you know, it is... <laughs> it is a job. It's my life's work. 
It's so... Um, novellas are fantastic because I can read those. People mm-hmm. are like, you can read a novella in a sitting. And I'm like, I can read a novella in a weekend or a week or a couple of weeks, depending on how my brain is going. Yeah. I can read a novella. And that is great. And that is so important to have. And I think they're very important and I like them. You get to finish things. I get to finish things and feel like I've read a book, mm-hmm. which is an important thing to be able to feel for me. That, like, I, I'm probably going to read at least one book start to finish before I finish actually reading Lord of the Rings because my brain can, like... My brain does not allow me to read quickly, but it does allow me to read multiple things at once. Which is, you know, a pretty neat trick. Pretty nice. My brain never used to let me do that, but I think, like, the current... I guess, like, alongside the not being out of focus as much in, in my current reading habits, I have been reading, like hopping back and forth between books a lot more than I ever used to. I guess because you kind of have to if you're not reading a book in two days like you Mm -hmm. used to, eh? It happens. Uh, But, like, I'm able to do that now. So, like, at the moment, I just finished reading... I'm just going to talk about books a bit. I just finished reading The Black Dung Thief, which I liked quite a lot. Because I love fantasy, and it's great, and there's walkovers. And I love walkovers. And I am in the middle of reading, like, uh... Uh, a book or two from, like, friends that I'm beta reading, which are very good and which I'm very excited about. Yep. And I also um, am rereading uh, K.J. Charles's Will Darling Adventures oh, nice, uh, trilogy nice, nice. as a treat because I love them so much. Uh, and I'm also, uh, I'm partway through reading uh, Kurangai Tuku uh, by Fiti Hiriaka, which just won the Ockham Book Awards here. Oh, and it's very cool. Good. So that's, like, the print book that I'm reading, and then I've got, like, these four ebooks that I'm also reading at, like, the same time, and it's kind of working, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I would never have expected that to be something I was able to do. I used to just start a book and finish it, you know, the, the same way I write books. Yeah. But, like, now I just, I guess, kind of have them all sprawled around me. and, and Yeah, I've got my Lord of the Rings like is in the bedroom. Like... It's it's the bedtime reading, and then in the living room I've got a stack of graphic novels. I, I just started... I've got the, the, like, full collected Eat the Rich by Sarah Gailey, and oh, nice. um, right below that is Maggie Takuda Hall's Squad, and right below that is, uh, uh, I, I cannot remember the title of it, the new Molly Knox Ostertag book that oh, nice. came out sometime in the last year-ish, Time is Fake, who knows? It's, it's not Witch Boy. But uh, is, I, I'm. Is Molly Knox Ostertag, they have like a, a collaboration with Ben and Lee Mulligan, right? It might be that one. It might be that one. I don't remember. Right. And then and then I'm watching Escape from the Blood Keep from <laughs> Dimension of Twenty because I because my wife was like, "You're reading Lord of the Rings right now. You have to watch Blood Keep as well. It's vital." Oh, and yeah, I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like, I I loved Bloodkeep, and, like, it, it's necessary what, like, I think anyone would enjoy it, especially if you're familiar with, like, tropes of fantasy, but, like, definitely, like, the more Tolkien geek you are, I think the more you'll go, like, oh, haha, I see what you're doing there. Because, mm-hmm. like, I definitely uh, benefited from, like, having my partner there, like, as we all, like, watched <laughs> it as, like, a friend group, and she was able to be, like, oh, see, this is, and I was, like, ooh. <laughs> so that was helpful. <laughs> <laughs> like annotations. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Uh, Finally, Mulligan's like 
it's fine to just talk about whatever on a podcast. This podcast isn't about anything in particular. It's the podcast where Remedy and Hillary get together and chat about podcasts and D&D. It's fine. Absolutely. I, I love Finley Mulligan's, like, elf voice where he's just like, ah, oh, yes, the withering of ages <laughs> is held within the single leaf. It's amazing. It's so good. Goals. I- I do most of my actual play consumption just via podcast instead of watching it, but like, yeah. I really appreciate seeing everybody's like facial expressions around the table, and especially like, I don't know, I I have tried a couple of times to get into um, uh, not. Dimension 20, what's the other? Critical role. Probably critical role. I've tried yes. <laughs> a couple of times and have just, like, not been able to just because it's, like, it's so, there's so much of it. It's so much. Yeah. But, like, Matt Mercer's facial expressions in Bloodkeep <laughs> and Murder Me. Matt Mercer's character in Bloodkeep is my favorite thing Matt Mercer has ever done. I, I it's impactable. like a lot about Critical Role, but bounced off the pacing as well. But friggin' Leland, oh my god. Yeah. So good. And I also, like, Iffy is just wonderful. Oh, Iffy. Yeah. It's um an embarrassing thing about watching um most Dimension 20 shows and then also a lot of Exandria Unlimited shows is that I just sit there going, wow, like, hard eyes at pretty much every player mm-hmm. and person at that table always because they're all so hot and cool yeah. and know so many things about storytelling. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. They're all so cute. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, definitely me and, and, uh, and my friend just, like, having, she's, mm, like, at, like, episode 35 of Partisan right now, Mm -hmm. and is just, like, uh, sliding into my DMs and screaming at me occasionally. (laughs) I need to listen to Partisan. I've heard good things about the goat? The train goat? Oh, no, no, that that's Songfiel. Oh, that you should listen okay. to Songfiel as well. Things. I should listen to all of them. Yeah. I will eventually. But Energy. Yeah, you'll, you'll get probably more out of Partisan than I have because you're listening to Twilight Mirage. Because it's all part of the same divine cycle. Okay, nice, 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 nice. It's wild that I started with Twilight Mirage, not um, <laughs> Counterweight. Anyway, um, and then their their next season is going to be a direct sequel to Partisan as well. So, ooh, oh yeah, better get in on that. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm like glad that I caught up to Partisan so that I can then get in on the ground floor of Palisades and and like ooh, that's, that's a good sequel name. Yeah. Damn, they're so good at names. They're I so stole good so at much. Names. I didn't they're steal. So good like, at... I took inspiration to be on my naming bullshit from them always being on their naming bullshit. Yeah. Right? That's how I have characters in Wolfpack with names like The Seas Will Rise and Drown the Unworthy. Which is so good. Thank you. They, there's there's a, a game that they played during Road to Palisades that I haven't listened to it. Um... And I'm not going to remember the name of the game. It was like a two-player, uh, diceless, GMless game. Um, that's like the tale of two mech pilot rivals. Um, I want to say it's last shooting. Uh, I I will absolutely have links to it in the show notes. It was incredible. 
Um, like, again, I haven't heard the the Road 2 episode where they actually play it, but we were, mm-hmm. my wife and I played it, and I was just like, okay, I'm going to be on my friends at the table naming bullshit, and... Uh, always, always. Like, it made me want to sit down and write, like, some cyberpunk just so that I could give people these incredible names. Like, I don't even remember my character's name now, but it was, like, you know, definitely one of those, like, a noun and a verb or something. Yep, yep, yep. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to make this technically part of my Wolfpack promo, which it kind of is-ish, <laughs> which is why I'm spending all of it talking about podcasts and D&D. Some of, some of my favorite character names in Wolfpack. The aforementioned the seas will rise and drown the unworthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, another character from that same uh, cult. Uh, sinners and polluters shall burn like the coals. Fantastic. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and then we have uh, Frankie Taxon. Good, good. Uh, their ancestor, Bug Eye Taxon. <laughs> and Celia Mendel. We love to hear and it. And <laughs> then we also have um, some more minor characters called... Strong arm and hold fast. Good, who good. Together form stronghold security. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on my bullshit at all times. I need to plug in my laptop. Good. I'm back. We love to be on our bullshit. Always. Always. Just do it. Just have fun. Yeah. Be yourself. Uh, so, I just on the on the subject of of being on our bullshit and perpetually being on this show's bullshit. I just heard this. <laughs> weird sound and a blue police box just showed up in the podcasting studio. I'm wondering if we can take a step into this time machine and go back. If there are any words of wisdom that you wish you could offer to uh, young writer Rem Wigmore and by extension to any, uh, you know, early career writers who may be listening to this. Do you? Uh... That's what my flatmates say when we're watching Doctor Who. It's, 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 I mean, it's in the show notes, you just read, uh, wrote, nah, and then a key smash, so. <laughs> yeah, I was very tempted to just be like, nah. <laughs> but okay, actual advice. It's crazy, because I still kind of feel like I'm like an early career writer in terms of like, you know, stuff. But mm-hmm. like looking at my publications and also looking at my first novel came out in 2013. That's all. That's that's. It's been a grip. It's nine years. It's nine years. I started writing when I was 16. <laughs> I think it's complicated, right? Because I'm to get real, kind of like in that part of my career and also my life and my mental health, where I'm trying to figure out how to balance this this life and this career and this, mm-hmm. this you know driving passion that I have, right? Like it's this is the not the point of my life, but it is my goal. Mm-hmm. You know? It's, a, it's a guiding star. Is, it is my guiding star. Thank you. It's my guiding star. So, like, balancing that with having a life and, like, not burning out. I had, like, a pretty bad period of burnout last year, and I'm still kind of mm-hmm. trying to fight it off. And actually, yeah, there, there it is. Have weekends. Have weekends. Take weekends. If you're um if you're on that grind and you have like maybe your day job, I for a little bit I had like my day job and that was um that was part time so that was like three days a week but like nine or ten hours on my feet Oof. back home eleven midnight. <sighs> so then you know I'd rest for like a day or two and then like try and write on the other days. But like if you've got like your work and you're like trying to write every day a little bit in the morning or whatever, 
you need to have like at least one day where you don't mm-hmm. right like it, it's so so hard and i know it's like it's a little bit different if like you're, you're doing that work hustle and like your writing is how you get out of it like i get that and like that escape is important definitely if you're at a point where like you've got like a writing career going on or like you're stressed out by it or like you're doing not just the writing but also the other aspects of the job which is you know all of the admin and the emails and mm-hmm. the, the promo even the fun and good promo and like the, the stressing out about stuff which is not it shouldn't have to be right it's hard to not have that right it's hard not to do that have a day off i have um I always had Wednesday off because that's when I hang out with some buddies and I would always have one of the weekend days off depending on when my D&D game was. Mm-hmm. D&D was vital. So, like, the other piece of advice is having a storytelling or creative medium that isn't connected to your career or, like, anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. Just for fun, something that you do with your friends because otherwise your creativity will drip out of your hands however much you try to hold on to it. Mm-hmm. You need to have something that's like for fun where you can indulge in storytelling without having to worry about how it connects to the market and to building your name and all that stuff. Yeah. And like maybe you're not as worried about like building your name and like achieving great things as like I am specifically, but I think a fair amount of people are at least a little bit, right? Like Yeah. To stick around in this for any length of time, you kind of need to have either an impressive level of uh, unconcern or a certain amount of egotism, just enough to balance out your equal amount of lack of self-worth. Oh, it's yeah. normal and healthy and fine. <laughs> have weekends. I now take a, both Saturday and Sunday off, which feels like a wild indulgence. Insane <laughs> but luxury. you know what the thing is? Uh, in combination with some other stuff I've been doing for my health, that means that instead of taking, like three hours to be able to get up the focus to do half an hour of work i've been able to just do three or four or even five hours of work while i was in the middle of my edits sorcery just like (laughs) and now like two or three like you know in a day i don't have like a a day job anymore i'm um unemployed so it's i have that time so that's good so i get that not everyone can have like weekends like that Mm -hmm. have a day where you don't have to write have it's so exhausting to have to come home and it's like 6 p.m. and then you have to cook and like you probably have to look after your kids or your pets or like attend to your life there's laundry there's dishes sometimes you have the energy after that to like sit down and write your heart work sometimes you don't and you need to have to let that be okay or you will burn out so badly on everything that you do yeah have weekends yeah but like because because I take the indulgence of that extra time off, it means I have enough focus and energy to actually do the work I need to be doing. It's so important to take time off and take time to recharge and take time to, like, you know, whether, like you said, it's another, you know, recreational storytelling or, yeah. you know, like, play music or, you know, do a martial art or, some, like, something. Something that engages, that can engage maybe the same parts of your brain in a different way or that engages different parts of your brain in a way that like frees your frees up the part of your brain that does that work to to recharge and then do more of that work yeah You, you need to have something in your life that isn't writing because there is so much uncertainty in this life and there is so much i mean rejection is built into the game right and like you have to just be able to weather it but like sometimes it does hurt and that's okay you can let yourself feel that hurt but like to be able to weather those storms you need to have at least have a backup harbor all right Mm -hmm. have a backup and and do not ever feel bad about taking time to rest please i am 
yeah, I am outright. I mean, I feel bad for taking time to rest all the time, <laughs> constantly. Any time I don't like meet my own entirely self-imposed goals and deadlines. Mm-hmm. But I am, I am to the extent that this, I guess, mid-career author has has any sway in your mind. Take time to rest. It is important. You need to, and you deserve it. And also, your your work will be better as well. So, like, Hillary and Rem, your podcasting entities demand that you rest. <laughs> yes. And also give you permission. Uh, your yes. your permission slip is uh, on the iTunes review page. If you leave us five <laughs> stars. Uh, and also over on Goodreads, where you can uh, probably five-star Wolfpack right now. Certainly five-star Fox Hunt. Oh, yeah. Don't five-star Wolfpack yet. But you can market us to read, yes. and you can definitely five-star Fox Hunt. And I can't see it, because I've blocked off my Goodreads page. For my mental health, but it would still help me a great deal if you could post happy reviews. Not happy reviews, you know what I mean. Good reviews. If you like the book, if helpful. you say somewhere... <laughs> helpful. <laughs> if you say somewhere that you like the book, that is very helpful to me. Yeah. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about Wolfpack? Absolutely, I can talk to you a little bit about Wolfpack. <laughs> what do you want to know about Wolfpack? So Wolfpack is the sequel to Fox Hunt, and it is... Uh, Fox Hunt is my novel that came out with Queen of Swords Press in 2021. We love and it. it is a, uh, yes, and I appeared here on uh, Tales from the Trunk and read a bit of it. It is uh, Solarpunk. It's Bounty Hunters. It's There's furries in it. Like, they, they just are. It's real good. If you, it's if real you wear, good. <laughs> if you wear animal masks and hunt down uh, energy criminals uh, while calling yourself the wolf, you are a furry. I don't make the rules, <laughs> except I do, because it's my book and it's great. Uh, the sequel, Wolfpack, is forthcoming in December. Uh, it's not up for pre-order yet, but you can keep your eye out. You can market us to read on Goodreads. You can uh, s- uh, build up Fox Hunt to your friends if you like. Spread the word. Uh, did you just want me to like talk about like when it's coming out and stuff, or do you want me to talk about the, the general plot? Uh, let, let's, let's take a little pitch on it. All right. Let's, so, let's get uh, folks pumped, pumped up. Totally. I have my proper pitch somewhere, which has all sorts of... like very cool sentences um and you'll just have to take my word on that and you'll get to see some version of that pitch when the blurb is out uh but it is a sequel to fox hunt um spoilers for fox hunt okay uh uh orpheus uh and hmm i'm trying to figure out the the most non-spoilery way of saying it uh uh to make things up to uh, her lover, Orpheus goes on a gene bank heist Woo! to get the genetic data of wolves and reintroduce wolves into the wild. So it's about conservation. It's about rewilding. It's about yearning. It's about stupid decisions <laughs> that have narrative consequences. It's about gay stuff, trans stuff, uh, guitars, motorbikes, wolves, bugs. All sorts of shit. If you don't like at least three things in that list, then, like, we don't know how to help you, but, like... Gene, bank, heist. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, and, uh, obviously, we we can't put up a pre-order link for that right now, but, you know, watch, watch this Twitter, watch Rem's Twitter, watch my own personal Twitter. We'll, we'll, we'll shout about it. We'll do it. You'll know. The other, 
the other good thing in Wolfpack, there's a lot of good things in Wolfpack. The other thing I should shout out in Wolfpack is the main character who is a uh, runaway from a cult and he finds a broken piece of an AI and thinks it is an angel. We love to hear about it. Yeah. We love it. Uh, so before you go, uh, has there been anything that you've been reading, watching, listening to, playing, uh, anything at all like that that is media that you are pumped up to tell other people about? Fuck, I did that already. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Rem, it's been an absolute delight having you back on the show. Uh, I'm sure this will be not the last time that uh, listeners of Tales from the Trunk will be hearing from you on uh, this very RSS feed. But uh, before we get going, where can our listeners find you elsewhere on the interweb? Well, you can find me on Twitter as at Writer, or you can look at my website at remwigmore.com. We recommend doing both things. Rem, it's been so fantastic to have you on the show. Uh, Just absolutely incredible. We love it. Uh, Thank you so much for coming back on. Thanks for having me. And yeah, I'll be back again here next year because you have to have me on once yearly or you lose your uh, fan of Wigmore license, unfortunately. It's true. And also, like, I've now made sure to have at least one... Oceana guest a year for the last couple of years now, so it's yeah, legally yeah. I'm required to. Yeah, you have to meet your quota. Yep. Yeah. Uh, listeners, stick around next month uh, when I won't have any guests from Oceana, shockingly, I know, <laughs> uh, but when our guests will be Neon Yang and. Whoa! Yeah, I know, right? Damn! Yeah! Uh, and Amy Kaczynski, who is also just, uh, by my opinion, an amazing get, and I just happen to have, you know, been in a writing group with her for, like, seven years now, something like. Uh, but, yeah, listeners, stick around for, uh, both of those things. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Tales from the Trunk is mixed and produced in beautiful Oakland, California. Our theme music is Paper Wings by Lillian Boyd. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash trunkcast. All patrons of the show now get a sticker and logo button, along with show outtakes and other content that can't be found anywhere else. You can find the show on Twitter at trunkcast, and I tweet at hbbisniacs. If you like the show, Consider taking a moment to rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. And remember, don't self-reject.